All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups. And we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. And let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today is another segment of early bets where we're talking to people in startups who are earlier in their careers doing interesting things and um, looking forward to talking to, to our guests today. And our guests today are Sunil Oshrini and Pavel Asperahov. Um, welcome to the show, both of you. How's it going? Going good. Thanks for having us, Matt. Yeah, it's going well, Matt. How about you? Uh, I'm doing it pretty well. I had a pretty productive day. Did a couple podcasts. I had ten- tonight is my like big editing night, so I'm sitting down for three hours and just like editing the next weeks, which is uh, which is nice and fun. And uh, yeah, excited to be talking to both of you. Um, so to kind of set this stage, can you both introduce yourselves and just give the people that are listening a little idea of like who you are, what you're working on, what you're involved with and like what you're thinking about, just like a brief, you know, 30 second to minute long intro of both of you. Yeah, sure. So I guess I can go first. So I'm Sunil. Um, I'm a student studying engineering and business at Cal in the MET program and kind of just bouncing around. Me and Pavel are both um, venture partners with Contrary Capital, where we spend a lot of our time kind of identifying and diligencing really promising university-based startups at Berkeley. Um, so we, we do a lot of sourcing, diligencing, and up to 500K investments for that. So we spend a lot of time just going deep in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. Um, personally, I also am quite involved in like the blockchain space. Uh, spend a lot of time doing work with blockchain at Berkeley and, and kind of exploring new kind of, uh, kind of applications for what we can do, aside from like building internal projects and like consulting for external organizations, and also advising some startups that go through the OnClimbus blockchain accelerator. And I'll let Pavel take it from there. Yeah, um, I'm a second year computer science student at, uh, at Berkeley. I was previously, so before this, I was working at a startup called Modal over in San Francisco. I spent the summer with them. Um, I've been, so I was involved with them for about six months. Um, and then I recently got involved with this with Contrary Capital as a venture partner. Um, general things I'm involved with. I am an incoming intern at Ramp Financial, and I'm also going to join like the Hack NY Fellowship Program. So that's kind of my general, but my general background is interesting coding. But then, um, and that, but then the team at Contrary sort of pulled me into this. So I've gotten involved now with more of like the like the early stage, like looking at company side of things. I'm actually interested in the dynamic of of. Like when you mentioned contrary pulled you in, like what is the process to become a question for either of you? Like I know contrary capital, the like the network is super strong and it's like all these smart people. And I'm sure, I mean, I might be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people want to be partners and only a few amount of people are partners. Just like in the real world, everyone wants to be a VC. Very few people are. How does one become a partner at contrary and um, <clears throat> specifically um, actually, we'll get to Berkeley in a second, but like, you know, how, how did you get involved? Did they recruit you? Did you seek out them? How, how did that work? 
So, Neil, do you want to talk about this? A yeah, bit? sure. I guess, I guess, yeah. So, I've been on the team for a bit longer. Um, so, I think there's no really standard uh, process for, like, how we get our partners, right? Um, you know, publicly, sometimes we'll have, like, the application up on our website, and people can apply through there. So, we'll have that form up whenever we hire uh, new venture partners um, without kind of getting into too many specifics uh, that... Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that like you can find your way to contrary, right? There's definitely people who have come just kind of approaches on their own. There's definitely people who have been like pulled in and stuff like that, right? So I think there's no like one set recruiting channel for building that network. I think in terms of like selecting new venture partners, it's more, we care more not about like where you came from, but like who you are as kind of an individual and would you be a good fit for the fund, right? So, you know, we're looking for things that are, I think, pretty pretty, I guess, indicative of like what we want. So you just really want to see people that are really deep, critical thinkers, people who are very kind of tapped in with the university ecosystem and kind of really just have this big passion for like early stage venture and, and startups and really supporting the best founders out there at the university level. Because I think uh, one thing that students have, they have a lot of passion, they have a lot of ambition. And most of the time they have a lot of like really strong technical background or, or, or good knowledge on what they're working on. But, um, you know, the world of startups is also a very connections-based heavy game, I would say. It's, it's all done through connections. So we really are focused on kind of facilitating that for our founders. And I think that's kind of where the venture partners come in, kind of just acting on that. So like a, to kind of go back to the original question, there's no kind of one set recruitment process that we use. Um, you know, people find their way through country through a different variety of stuff, but we really just care about oh, at the end about people that can really just help with the ecosystem, um, help develop it and help you know, provide the best value to our founders and find the best founders um, in the most efficient manner possible. And so as um, you, Sunil, being a partner for, you know, for a little while and, and then you just joining on the contrary, I'd love both of your perspectives on what is it like, I mean, you, you guys go to, you know, you're doing this for Berkeley and Berkeley is probably, you know, running around with all these startup founders because of, of where, where it's at. And it's obviously different from like where I went to school, which is Arizona State University, like Berkeley, I can't imagine what it's like um, being in your, both of your positions there. How do you um, kind of think about the startup scene in Berkeley? And then I also am kind of wondering, um, is there like competition with Stanford? I actually like, this might be an obvious question. I have no idea. Like, so I'm wondering, is there a dynamic or is it very collaborative between the two? Cause you're, cause they're both kind of in the Valley. Would love either of your, your takes on just what's it like in the startup scene in Berkeley. And then like, what's it like with Stanford? Is it, is it competition friendly or is it not, not really? Yeah, I think, I think it's the, I'll talk about the Stanford point specifically. Um, I haven't personally seen a lot of competition with like Stanford in terms of like funding. I think that at the way I like to consider it is I think at Stanford, there's very um, kind of set paths that you can go as like a founder, right? I think it's very established, a lot more organized and structured just by nature of, you know, them being a little closer to like South Bay and like actually Silicon Valley, where I would say at Berkeley, it's a lot more chaotic, right? So um, in terms, especially like in terms of like geographical location, like we're a lot closer to, I think, SF. And, and there's a lot more like research startups in Berkeley. And I think that when you're comparing the two, there's not really a lot of competition because I think that the types of startups that you're going to see come out of each are still different to some extent. And at the end of the day, like I want to, I want to say, and I want to believe as well that a lot of VCs when they're like considering startups like venture funding, right. They are ultimately looking at the quality of like the founding team and what they bring to the table. 
So I wouldn't say that it's a competition between like universities, more so as a competition between individual founders, right? So a founder at Stanford is still going to compete with like another founder at Stanford and a founder at Berkeley is still going to compete with another founder at Berkeley, right? Um, so that's kind of like my perspective on that. Um, and I think that there's definitely areas that like both excel. I think that Stanford has had a lot of really good support for like undergraduate startups and, and student startups. And, and I think that that's been historically good, especially like the way they structure curriculum. But I also think that Berkeley historically in terms of spinning out startups from like research labs has done a little bit better on that front. We've had a lot of really good startups from there. Um, in terms of navigating Berkeley itself, and I think Pavel can like speak on this too if he wants, but I think in my experience, it can be really chaotic. There are different, a lot of like disjoint sources in terms of understanding like how startups work, where they come from. And I think that that's something the community as a whole, I've been really happy to see has been coming together to kind of deal with the past few years, just consolidating resources, making it a lot more easier for someone to uh, navigate. So one of my good friends, DB, who runs the uh, CalHacks, the Hackathon Fellowship for really promising projects that come out of, come out of the Cal Hackathon. Um, he's been working on creating kind of a map of the Berkeley ecosystem, and I hope he'll get that out soon. Um, but yeah, we've been trying to kind of make it a little bit easier to navigate, but I think really in Berkeley, when you have so many different resources, it's just being really efficient about tracking, you know, what are different accelerators, kind of what are the other venture funds, where startups coming out from, and then also just like talented individuals that might just be hacking something in their dorm room. And I think that it's a really robust and interconnected ecosystem, and a lot of it is just developing like good relationships and just putting yourself out there. Um, but Pavel, you want to add anything in your experience? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said about like, the fact is, is that like Stanford is a much smaller school than Berkeley, right? Berkeley has like 40, like 41,000 students at it. So you end up just having, I think inherently just like, maybe chaotic is one way to describe, it, but there's just like a lot of sources of, of deal. Like there's a lot of companies trying to do things. There's a lot of people working on a lot, a lot of interesting problems that makes it so you have a lot more sources that you sort of need to be looking at and sort of you do need a map of the ecosystem just because when you just have a much larger population of people working on interesting in Berkeley is 41,000 like bright, talented, young individuals. And so you have a lot of people working on a lot of interesting things. And it's the question of like, which of these things can be companies and where, like, where are the entrepreneurial people coming from? And it's sort of trying to narrow that down and sort of get a proper map that you sort of need for a school as big as Berkeley. Yeah. I, I actually, I feel like I should have known this, but I don't. I, I didn't realize that Berkeley was so much bigger than Stanford, but after, after yeah. you say it, 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 I mean, it makes sense. It, it, it lines up. Um, you, you mentioned, Pavel, you, you mentioned this like thing, which was there's so many more founders, which means you need different ways to get to them and like, you know, different ways to identify them. Um, and it's funny you say that because I, I kind of do the same thing with my podcast. Like I got like 10 to 15 buckets in my head of like where interesting people hanging out on the internet on a macro, like global level. And I just keep tabs on them, you know, every day. So it's interesting. Do you right now... And either of you can take this. You, you know, you mentioned that that there's a someone working on like a global map of of Berkeley. Oh, yeah. But like, how how did you actually? I, I kind of want to direct this to Pavel. Like you or Pavel, sorry. Um, you're new to the team. How have you learned and kind of skilled up and maybe struggled to you take you know put on the VC hat? You know, what have been some of the learning lessons so far? What have you learned about the job and the ecosystem? And what are some things that are maybe still still a little challenging that you're still grappling with? So I I think part of it is um, 
is that like you kind of get a sense right like when you go to a school you kind of get a sense for where where are smart people hanging out like you 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 get uh like you sort of get an on the ground sense that someone maybe from an external view wouldn't have the opportunity to see so i think like i already have that by just simply going to the school i guess like something that i'm trying is like you need to i mean you need to also like get access to these people so you can know where they are. So it's sort of like when I'm new, when I'm new to this space and new to this environment, it's like not only knowing where they are, but also getting access to it. But I think as I take more time and develop more and just like get to sort of be looking at it, not from a student perspective, but put on more like of my like VC hat and like trying to get in on that side of things rather than, cause like before this, I was much more on the building side of things, which I think was a super value perspective, valuable perspective and did get me to understand like, oh, this is where smart people are building and making things happen. Um, but it's just like get, getting access to those. And I think that's something there, like Sunil, you can maybe speak on like what actually developing more of those relationships is like. Um, but I think that's sort of been my experience so far. Yeah, yeah, I guess I can like, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Um, so in terms of like, just like finding people, right? I think there's like a lot of really cool places to look like Berkeley has a very, very nice ecosystem of, if we're going on the software route, right? For example, there's a very, very robust ecosystem of clubs and organizations dedicated to hardcore software research. So we have two machine learning clubs kind of with different focus. One is more project-based, one is more research-focused. Machine Learning at Berkeley and Launchpad both do fantastic work. I think Machine Learning at Berkeley even has grad students in it. So kind of like the go-to spot for that. Um, we have Blockchain at Berkeley, which I'm involved in, which has done some, oh, there's a lot of internal education, kind of um, consulting for companies in terms of implementing blockchain proofs of concepts. And we used to have like a very big research division that a lot of very successful blockchain startups have come out of, including one founded by Theo Fellow. So there's a club dedicated just for that. There's a club dedicated just like ARBR, right? And just kind of identifying kind of like the community within like these organizations and seeing kind of like the entrepreneurial people and just kind of taking an actual interest in like what they're working on, right? I think it's really easy to just be like, hey, you're smart. I kind of want to you know, maybe invest in you later. Let me, let me just like hit you up. Whereas like, it's much easier to have that conversation with someone who you actually care about what they're working on, right? If you actually take an interest in the subject, then you, it's something that you personally would want to work on. I think the conversation just goes a lot more easier. And I think that's where like just really doing a deep dive and like understanding where this person's coming from. And if there's like a common ground really comes into play. So that's like kind of, I guess, basic kind of like relationship development. But I think that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. In terms of when I think about how we construct relationships across the ecosystem. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's It sounds like a pretty fun role um, to, to be in. Yeah. I, two, two questions. Um, actually, I'll start with the second one. You mentioned Teal Fellow there and it, um, I... It's interesting because like I could say the word Teal Fellow to you know a hundred people or a thousand people in at ASU and they probably won't know what I'm talking about because it's like it's a very different place uh, than yeah. than than San Francisco and Berkeley and whatnot. Um, but I, I kind of want an idea of when you got if you when you have peers that become Teal Fellows and peers that become YC founders, do they become like? I don't know how else to ask this or, but like, are they like kind of like gods in the network? Are they just like people that just like, you know, got accepted by a good program? Like how are they like being in the scene? Um, how are these people that get accepted to some of these programs viewed by, by peers? Um, I'm just curious about that culture. I think in my personal network, having like known people who've done both, I personally, like I am good friends with someone who got accepted into YC um, ended up didn't working, but they came back and they were just like viewed as like, 
just like a regular friend, right? And in terms of like, Theo fellow, like, yeah, it's like a little different. But personally, I think a lot of people, it doesn't view, it's not viewed as like uh, a god in the network, right? Just because I think these opportunities are a lot more publicized than other ones. It doesn't mean that these people are also more smart. There's just people who just didn't want to take that path, right? And I think there's like, for all that's said about the virtues of like dropping out and starting a thing, and I totally understand that from a perspective, I think there's even more to be said about the amount of successful founders that have actually completed school enjoyed school for what it was, enjoyed the whole college experience. And I think it's just diff two different sides of the coin. And I think that being brutally honest here, right, the the kind of notion of someone being a Theo fellow or YC founder, uh, making them like a god at entrepreneurship is a complete logical fallacy. I think that's often be constructed by like media hype, both fantastic programs, not quite calling into question thing, both really good programs, definitely some really smart people going through it. But I think people are kind of indoctrinated to thinking like this is the only way to be like a next level founder. This is like the number one way to become like a legendary founder. And they have to realize like there's a lot of really unconventional routes to entrepreneurship and there's a lot. And for some people, they just don't feel like that. So when I personally see someone like that on my network, it's like you're still the same person I knew, hopefully, before before getting accepted. And you're still my friend, right? You're still someone that I've talked to and I enjoy like conversing with. And just because like you choose to go that path, I'll respect it. But that's not the path I wanted to do, go down. And or that's not the path my other friends want to do down. And I have no doubt that we'll all still be like moderately successful or like pretty, hopefully pretty successful. And I don't think that it differentiates anyone uh, in terms of that. Yeah, I think there's just like so many high performing people in the Berkeley space that any like individual, like yes, YC and Teal Fellowship have like a lot of brand name, but it, it's almost like they're not seen as a god just because like, they're just around like they're just around a lot of other high performing people like the bar i think is just overall raised to what it what it takes to become sort of like a next level kind of person so people now don't necessarily treat them as like like you said like we're still friends still like still people that we just treat like. yeah i think it's important not to confuse signals for like these programs with intelligence i think that's what a lot of people do and like these people are smart but they're not the only smart people you know what i'm saying yeah I, I mean, I totally agree. The reason I ask is that that question is because, you know, I keep making references back to Arizona, but I do think it's an interesting parallel where like we have like three companies that have like started here that moved to the Bay, they've gotten big, like Mix Panel, Air Garage and Fountain. And like, other than that, like, it's just like, you know, like Jonathan Barkle of Air Garage is like this legend here because like it yeah. doesn't happen that often you know like does it, 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 yeah. it doesn't happen you know and um it's just so it's just it's just it's cool to hear what it's like kind of in the league like you guys are kind of in the league right you're you're where it happens you're where where, where the magic happens you're in the bay area um right. quick question for pavel um you mentioned that you were working with a startup earlier and you just started with another one i believe you said i, I was it ramp um how do you um how does someone just get a job at like a, I'll just use ramp as an example. I'm familiar. Like, how do you get a job at ramp? Like, I feel like ramp is like a pretty, you know, attractive startup. Like how does smart students and smart people in, um, in Berkeley and in Stanford just like get jobs at these companies. And if someone was listening that is interested in like getting a job at a startup, do you have any thoughts on how they could go about uh, doing that? I mean, I think, this isn't going to be the best, the best answer for someone who's just listening. But in the end of the day, like an intro is going to make like, is going to make or break it. Like an intro versus just like a cold email is going to be just, you're going to get two totally different responses. Obviously 
in the end of the day, an intro only gets you your foot in the door. And also like you have to understand when you're asking someone an intro, you're asking them for them to stake to a certain extent their reputation on you. So make sure like when you are asking for an intro, you need to in the end of the day back it up. So I think like initially it was an intro and then like obviously it was a lot of interviews after that. So I'd say like primarily focus on like no no people who know people, like the value of acquaintances and just like I know I've, there's a thousand people that say this, but in the end of the day, networking, I mean, networking and then also putting in the time, like you need to have the background, like you need to be, you need to be the kind of person where someone is willing to stake their, a, a part of their reputation on you when they do intro you. So like, be like, be good before you even ask for the intro, like, like know what you're doing. And then at that point, like it's tough, it's tough for, it's not always obvious for people how to make that network, those connections. But in the end of the day, that's what's really important. If, if, if this was, I don't know, three years ago, and like I would have heard, and let's say I was the 21 or 20, I guess, two, 23 version, year old version of myself hearing that, I'd be like so fresh. I'd be like, no, like it's not about just, you know, like it's hard work, it, you know, but I, I, I've had quite, you know, quite a time in the last three years doing what I've done. And I kind of like learned that like you're right. And it, just because you don't like you're 100% right. Um, but for anyone listening that might not, you know, have the connections like I didn't, you know, a few a few years ago, um, a couple of things to mention for, for you, like a lot of founders are very open to chatting and getting to know you like, like, if you don't have any like ulterior agenda. So like, even me like email, email me like you all mostly have my email and like, I'm happy to chat with you. And like, I know a lot of people just like, no, it might seem like it's this wall you can't pierce. But like, if this random, you know, guy from Phoenix can do it, so can anyone. So just note that like, there's a wall, but like, it's you can get through it. And with that, I just have one last question for for both of you. Um, and I want answers from both of you. Um, you both are like, in my opinion, like doing pretty well, you know, for, for your ages and for where you are in life. And that's awesome. And I just would like to hear general thoughts, um, either advice or, or anything for like, let's say a 16 year old, 18 year old, you know, someone earlier in their, you know, in quote unquote career who wants to get where you are, you know, at this stage, what advice do you have for them to get to where you are and beyond and to be successful in entrepreneurship in college or, or in high school? Um, you know, from both of you would, would love to hear. Yeah, I guess I can actually take this because I'm actually younger than Pavel. So I'm turning 19 next month. Um, so I think for me, the one thing that I always like to give also a lot of my high school friends that are still like trying to do this is one first, please don't worry about like your future, like plan for stuff because 99% of the time it's just not going to go the way you expect it. I think the biggest realization for me in terms of like actually advancing was taking a genuine interest in what I worked on. Um, there's a lot of people who say they want to do startups, but like, okay, you want to do startups, but like what field, right? Like there's, there's startups and literally everything. Like, does that mean like a D to C like shared startup or does that mean like, some like deep learning in a lab right and and I think that for me the biggest advice was just like finding one or two fields that I could really that really interested me and I could get really passionate about and like just read for hours and hours on end um when I was first starting out doesn't mean that like they necessarily stayed the same so for me like for example uh in my senior year of high school I got really interested in aerial robotics so I ended up going to work at or cold emailing a bunch of like drone startups um and I ended up going and actually like getting a role after like interviewing um, as like an engineer and business development intern at a seed stage drone startup in in Brooklyn, because um, I'm originally from the East Coast. So I then I was like able to essentially kind of launch my journey from there, just kind of learn how to like craft like my story and like all my interests. So I've do, been doing a lot of stuff and kind of like jumping off that experience and 
kind of just going deeper into what it means to like build a good startup, both from like reading and like experiencing it firsthand, right? Um, just got to Berkeley and just decided I really just wanted to meet smart people working in this space. So I think it's really, if I like to boil it down and distill it, one, find, find what makes, find what gives you your personal story. What makes you unique as a person? I think for me, that was not having any one specific interest in high school. So I did a lot of stuff from like um, genetics research to politics, to financial analytics, to engineering, to like startups, right? And I think that gave me a really unique background that people were interested. Uh, so one, finding what makes you unique what value can you bring to people whenever you approach a conversation with someone like understand that obviously like outside like a friend context right understand that it's there's always two ways to it right they're helping you but you need to be able to help them things so for them are you enough of an investment in talent for example right is that something that is worthwhile for them and then three just when you approach someone that you think would be interesting to talk to or useful to talk to don't approach it with the mindset that I'm going to make this person in contact and I'm going to get something from them. Approach it with, there's a reason I picked this person. They're probably a really smart person, right? They probably have some unique insights. I want to have like a decent intellectual conversation. And even if I don't, even if, you know, they're not sufficiently impressed or, you know, there's not uh, a chance for me to ask for like an opportunity from them, at least I learned something. And at least I have someone that I can talk to and I learned something new. Uh, approaching it with that, I'd say um, don't be too aggressive in networking. Instead, be someone who actually like pursues like intellectual fulfillment as like corny as that sounds. And I think that in and of itself will uh, um, impress people and just be kind of, the only thing you should be aggressive with is reaching out to people you want to talk to. And I think eventually you'll catch the interest of people um, and also just read a lot. There's so much wealth of literature online about venture, like how to run a good startup, like growth, like for anyone listening who wants to get started up, I'd say abc.com is like a really good one. I like as an intro. Um, I'll hand it off to Pavel, bit of a long response, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I guess like I, I definitely agree with everything Sunil said. Um, one thing is that when you're young, it's very unclear what the right moves are to make at any moment in time, right? It's like every, a lot of things are up in the air. But I think one thing I've learned over the course of like obviously I have a lot more to learn, but one, th one thing I've always learned that's valuable is that like investing in yourself is never the wrong decision. No matter what's happening, no matter what you might want to do in the near future, investing in yourself is always something that pays off. Um, so whether that be like, I initially was not su like on super on the entrepreneurial side, but because I taught myself like how to build, I got to put myself in environments where I got to be around other entrepreneurs and I got to see that sort of environment. And that was because like, you know, when I was in like, when I was like 16, I didn't know I wanted to be in the startup team, but I did know that I wanted to learn, how, like know how to code and like figure that out. So it's like, make yourself valuable because no matter what happens in the future, you will be better off investing in yourself. So I think like everything that Sunil said, like focus on, you're very focused on like what you want to do is like entrepreneurship. But like when you're young, you do, it's, I think it's hard to tell exactly what you want to do. So I think like what you really want to do is emphasize and just like create, like, like creating your skill. And it should be things you're passionate about. Like if you're not someone who has like your brain's wired to like code or something you shouldn't just teach yourself how to code because you might want to be, be a coder at some point but like constantly be investing yourself whether that be reading whether that be just teaching like teaching yourself an instrument it just like constantly be spending your time investing in yourself i think is the most important thing i could tell someone who's younger than me yeah yeah that that was all gold like every everything you guys both just said it is is, is totally is totally right like and um if you're listening like i think just trying to like you know 
just doing things you're interested in. I think like trying to meet more people like like these two guys and like people that are just smart and are doing interesting things too. If you just get in groups with people that are just doing interesting shit, it kind of just like it kind of like works out. You meet interesting people, you start companies, you fail, you you, you meet in that you know it's just 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 do what interests you and meet interesting people. That would be my 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 take um as well. Well. Uh, I appreciate both of you coming on. I've learned a ton um, and it's, it's really interesting to um, understand a little bit more about what's going on in the Berkeley startup scene and how both of you have kind of broken in in unique ways. Um, is there, actually we'll finish off the podcast with a final quick question, um, both on the investing front. Um, what is one area, um, like real quick, you know, in like 10, 10, 20 seconds, what's one area for each of you that you're interested in and investing in? And um, we'll, we'll, we'll finish it at that. Yeah, um, I can go real quick. So again, these don't reflect contrary because we're generalists. So I just want to put that out there, the disclaimer. Um, but for me, one area that I'm really, really heavily bullish on is blockchain for gaming, using NFTs to represent digital ownership. I think that'll revolutionize the way game economies are built. Yeah, I think one space that I'm just now getting into with my plans for the summer, I think fintech is something that I'm very excited about right now. All right. Well, there you have it. Two spaces that are that, that are interesting to them. You know, thank thank you so much, guys, for coming on to the podcast. I learned a ton. You both have a really bright future, and uh, keep it up. Maybe we'll have you back on on the podcast in a couple of years to tell you what yeah. t- tell tell us what you've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Matt. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily, there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman, and that is Matt with one T. So hit me up, shoot me a DM, and I'm happy to check out what you're working on and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please rate this podcast in the itunes store that would be awesome i'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders and the only way to do that or one of the ways to do that is growing with rankings so if you like what you're listening to please just go onto the itunes store give it five stars or four you know or three i'm not going to tell you what to give but just tell whatever i deserve you should rate that with that i'm signing off see you next time bye